Hello, welcome to the Scott Gooding Project Podcast. Each episode, I'll chat openly with someone passionate about what they do and have a vision for our future. The project is designed to be thought-provoking and hopefully spark conversation about optimizing health and performance. This episode, I catch up with a fascinating uh, and quite frankly entertaining couple, Elise and Luke. I've known Elise for a few years through the gym scene here in Sydney, but I've never had the good fortune of catching up with Luke. Uh, Through social media, I could see that they're in town, so I was keen to sit down and have a yarn. Now, what they do and what they've done over the last few years is incredible. They are into expeditions, adventures. Um, They've crossed the Antarctic, they've crossed the Atlantic. Their most recent trip was was a walk through the Gobi Desert or across the Gobi Desert in Mongolia. They have this incredible lust for life and one that I, I envy, quite frankly. Um, so I wanted to tap into, you know, what makes them tick and, you know, exactly what goes on behind the scenes uh, on some of these adventures. So uh, I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Um, thanks for listening. Hi, guys. We've got some very special guests with me today, uh, Luke and Elise. Um, as always, I like to set the scene. We are currently sitting in this quiet study room. We should probably be a bit quieter than we are in uh, the Wallara Library. So welcome to the show, Luke and Elise. Thank you for having Thank us. It's great to be here. I should have hired a bigger room. Look at the fucking size of your muscles. <laughs> <laughs> Tight this shirt, is mate. post-desert too. Tight um, before we get rolling, uh, I would like to take the opportunity for you guys to look at who I'm talking to. So go online, go to Instagram and go to... How do you say your surname? I was waiting for it. Elise yeah. Hoffsmith. So E-L-I-S-E-H-O-E-F-S-M-I-T. That's the one. And Luke underscore Olek Adventures. That's it. That's it. So, guys, I've been following you for a, a couple of years. I've met you a few times, Elise, over the years. Uh, I've never met yourself, Luke, um, but I've been following you for a number of years, and I find what you do like incredibly inspiring. It Thank started you off, um, you guys were running a gym or a CrossFit gym in Thailand or Phuket, is that right? Well, we were over there as uh, strength conditioning coaches. Right. So in the world at the moment, um, fitness and training holidays are absolutely booming. So there's this one street in Phuket, it's called Soi Thayet, Street Thayet. And there was a big camp there called Tiger Muay Thai originally back in 2011 that I was coaching at. But since that day, the street has just exploded and there's a massive strength and conditioning place called uh, Unit 27. That's where we coach currently. Um, there's a top team down the end of the road, big mixed martial arts camps. And then there's a whole you know gaggle of smaller Muay Thai gyms and mm. you know normal bodybuilding gyms. And the whole street is like, geez, it's only like Bondi now, just all health food and yeah, right. you know, retreats running in and out of there. But at any one time, there'd be... A thousand people on that street just training, right? You know? And it's away from all the the red light nasties of Thailand. Yeah, because that, that's what I know of Phuket. Like, mm. yeah, Patong. Yeah, yeah. Patong. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. that's the party kinda, on the other yeah. side of the island. Yeah, right. Okay, yeah. so this is far removed. It's a bit more of a local area. It's called Chalong. Um, relatively super cheap compared to the touristy side. Right. Um, but you know, a lot of people train there. Yeah, Monday to Friday, Saturday, Saturday they'll be scooting over the hill to go and have a bit so, of fun in Patong. So is this um, tourists predominantly, like, that come? Or? 90% you reckon? Yeah, well, I'd say 95% tourists. Yeah. Um, Australia, So how America. would they know about you? Like, they, they just land in Phuket? 
Well, a lot, a lot of them, I guess, would start, um, say they might Google Fitness Thailand or uh, Tiger, or, yeah, Muay Thai in Thailand because they want to have a little fitness escape. Yeah. yeah. Instead of just going to a resort and smashing the buffet for a couple of weeks and going home feeling That's all depressed. You know? <laughs> and now you can do that. You just train every day and then go and smash a buffet, you know? Yeah. It's, it's big business over there now. Yeah, it's become really popular. Like. Yeah. For me, that's not the idea of a holiday. Like, I see a few people that, and they train, they go to these Muay Thai camps and they train two or three times a day. Yeah. Like, they come back super lean, but fucking hell, like, <laughs> I want a hammock, I want to, you know, fucking everything. But that's the difference between someone who has health and fitness as part of their life at home. Mm. So what we're finding is we're coaching people who are just super time poor and aren't training at home, they're mm. so busy, they're flat out, they're running huge businesses, and they come over for a month at a time and just train mm. and sort their health out. Yeah. So they can go back and eat all their <laughs> yeah. meals yeah. out. And, and there's those peak seasons, like the end of, say, business season, come October, November, you'll have a big influx of all, like, the corporates. And in January, you know, businesses zero in Sydney or around the world. They mm. all come in then just to try and de-stress, get, you know, get focused again and get ready for another season of so, so they they smash themselves for three or four weeks and then do you reckon that 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 kind of has a knock-on effect when they get back or they just go back God to no. their studio <laughs> <laughs> they, they try i mean a lot of the guys that i've been working with for years i'll come and go and they will try when they get back but then you know that first corporate lunch that first deal that doesn't go through the stress build up all that after a couple mm. months they're back to normal mm. but you know i find that we're balancing them out just enough so to have that training month in their lives is far more beneficial than to not have it there. Yeah, right. You know? Is is there the yin to the yang? Like, so they come, get smashed, train hard, lift weights, box. Is there meditation and yoga and that kind of quiet there side? There is everything on this street now. So all the yoga's been there for quite a while, but now they are getting into a lot more holistic stuff. They've got float tanks yeah. and, you know, all that sort of stuff in the street as well. Yeah, right. Yeah, and meditation is sort of becoming part and parcel with all the retreats that yeah. you know numerous companies run there now they always have a meditation aspect of it because mm. they've got you know, mountains in Phuket where they go and mm. sit up next to the temple and you know be the bush and all that stuff yeah right yeah yeah okay um, and so my my eyes started to open to, to what you guys were doing when I used to see on your days off you'd go and scale like rock climbing up these like um, limestone fucking yeah. cliffs and it wasn't like 20 feet or 30 feet it was <laughs> no. gnarly no when we first very first got to thailand so we bought all our rock climbing gear in australia before we left we we're like right if we're not going to do it in thailand we're not going to do it ever so let's get all the gear so as soon as we got there we went over to pp island which is like the famous mm. what was the movie the beach? the beach yeah, oh, yeah yeah the beach yeah. um went over there and and got a guide to teach us how to rock climb just little things and we saw this little thai guy just racing up this um beautiful rock face it was like 120 meters high and we looked at it and we're like oh my god we want to do that so that was our goal as soon as we got to thailand and this guy that we saw go up came down and started chatting to us he was a thai guy and just great banter and he and he's ended up being one of our like great friends and opened a rock climbing gym over there um but yeah the three of us just try to get over to this beautiful place called tonsai every weekend if we can mm. and just scale mountains like it's a rock climbing mecca like around <laughs> yeah. the world climbing season especially in a place of tonsai yeah it's, it's world class you know the limestone there you'd see 
you know, lots of different Instagram accounts where people are doing those, you know, vertical and underhanging limestone, like it's called deep water soloing climbs and stuff like that. That's all in Tonsai. You, know, yeah, you can right. do it all there. But it ranges from the beginner, beginner routes right up to some of the hardest in the world that mm. you just watch these guys do. It's just magic. Yeah, right. Because you know? you're big, like for our listeners, Luke is the size of a... He's not as big as he has been. So if you, if you look on his Instagram, you can, you'll kind of get a gist of where I'm coming from. It's but. up and down, yeah. <laughs> 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 Fucking yo-yo. Um, but you're big for a rock climber. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it did take me a while to get through all that lactic threshold that when we first started climbing, I'd just gas out in the first, you know, 10 metres. It's not efficient being big. <laughs> no, and we just really have to learn climbing technique because you can't muscle the stuff, you know, no yeah. matter how strong yeah. you are you only get so far yeah. so when we did see that big goal on pp of um it's called a multi-pitch climb so that it could take what it takes like five and a bit hours five you and could, a bit hours yeah to, you to can't gas out halfway you'll be in a bit of strife you know so you, your body just slowly gets conditioned <laughs> so is this, sorry excuse my ignorance are you yeah. belaying or are you like anchoring yourself as you go yeah, so these, the routes over there, a lot of them are bolted. So that's where we'll have all of our quick draws. They're called quick draws, where you'll clip into the bolts. Right. And then we clip our rope into the quick draw. So you're always anchored to the cliff. But so I'd say I'd start on the ground belaying Elise. She'd climb the first pitch. Yeah. She'll make anchor. And then I'll climb up to her. So then we're both off the ground. And then I'd climb from that first anchor to the second one. And she'd join me. And, and we'd just so leave if thing, if you missed your hold for whatever reason... You'd only fall like a foot or something? Depends. Because on that climb we're talking about, there's an <laughs> overhanging section where it's it's gnarly as you're sort of coming right out and you've got to try and get over this low hang. This and is already 50 metres in the sky, I think. Yeah, it's right. So 50 metres, yeah, that's yeah. high. So I was man. way too confident in myself and my ability by that stage. That's, <laughs> and at least some epic falls on that overhang. And because Fuck. she wasn't clipped in above the overhang, when you fall on the overhang, your, your clip closest to you might be three or four metres, but then you're falling eight plus line stretch Eesh. but you're in like because it's such a big overhang she didn't hit the cliff once a quarter yeah. but she's hanging out like epic <laughs> up in the sky it's, really, <laughs> it's scary right. scary yeah right so how do you recover scary. from that because you're, you're oh you just say luke pull me in and you can try this one did <laughs> 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 you shit your pants oh yeah oh yeah, yeah, yeah big time big time and especially coming down so abseiling back down i got to that overhang part and forgot to clip in so i was close to the wall right um so if you don't clip in close to the wall, you're just slowly coming down. And if you don't kick off the wall, you've got no swing and you just fall into this mid-air nothingness yeah, yeah. and then can't get back to the wall. And I'm yeah, like... Yeah, well, that's oh. what I'm thinking. So you've you've fallen. Yeah. And because the, the overhang's here, you're kind of... A f- out. Yeah. yeah. So how do you get... So then I'm reaching right out to grab ah, her rope right okay. and pull her back in. But when you're coming down, I'm but not But what there. if you're on your own? That's, that's what happens. So then she's stuck out in the middle of nowhere, um, just can't get to the cliff face, can't do anything, and she's got to slowly start her swing. So you're there trying to like, I don't know if you've tried to swing your whole body weight on a rope, it's so hard. You might get at the quarter of an inch and you're trying to like kick <laughs> Looking like a lunatic. Yeah. You do that panic thing, you're like... <gasps> and you're, you're on like a high, like tensed rope, so you're like, oh my God, like, this thing's only eight millimetres wide oh, or whatever. You're like, is this going to hold me if I start really kicking and bucking on the end of this rope? Fuck. <laughs> and yeah. it's scraping on the rocks. And oh, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> but they actually, they shut that, that specific climb down a few months after we climbed it. Yeah. Or maybe before we climbed it. I think I it was before because they had the signs up. But we yeah. But because, because someone... Some guy was abseiling down. He forgot to tie off and <laughs> slipped straight off the end of his rope and mm. killed himself. Oh, fuck. So, so when you're belaying down, you always put a knot in the bottom of your rope just in case you forget what's coming and it doesn't just... Oh, 
Um, yeah, that's off. what happened. And that's what yeah. they were telling me. Yeah, so they fun. shut the whole thing down because of his silly mistake. So you're yeah. there, like, kipping. Just like... <laughs> trying to cross-fit my way out of it, and it's just not working. I'm on the walkie-talkie to my mate. on the bus. Yeah. It's not working <laughs> like, for me now. I'm on the walkie-talkies because I couldn't see my mate. I wasn't with Luke oh, at this point. Oh, you can communicate. Yeah, and I was like, bro, I'm stuck. He's like, don't panic. He says no. No, this is, is my time, mate. Ah, yeah. Just freaking out. But, yeah, got but, back down to the ground. Getting back to your original point about size, I think because I am sort of trying to always, well, we try always to do expeditions and CrossFit training and trying to just get a nice blend of hobbies and not, not be a specialist at climbing, um, your size only, only lets you go so far. Mm. If I want to progress, I think we've been stuck at like a 6B, 6B plus grade for quite a while now. If I wanted to progress past that, then my strength to weight has to change. Yeah, right. You know, guys only get into those 7As, 7Bs and higher when they're lean but super strong, finger strength, and special. Okay. How, how would that compare to the Alexandra indoor climbing ball, the kids section? I've done that. It's <laughs> <laughs> <That's good stuff. laughs> pretty much there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Next stop, <Yeah>. multi-fish. <laughs> but yeah, the great example is what's on TV at the moment, Ninja Warrior. Yeah. You see the climbing guys smashing it. Their right. weight to power ratio yeah. is out of this world. Yeah. Um, but the big guys just eat shit, essentially, because they're just... They're just too big, muscle too through heavy. so far, but yeah, once yeah. it starts getting like to these you know, semi-final stages, of... the longer stages, they just don't have the the gas. Yeah, yeah right. You know? So the the CrossFitter guys kind of thing is that what you're saying? To an extent, yes. Yeah. yeah if you see a lot of the, especially when you're looking at, um, especially the final stages of Ninja Warrior, when they get when they get to those, it's it's all grip strength. If yeah. you haven't got that grip strength, yeah. you're not going to make it through. Yeah. You see the climbers, they got that finger strength. If you ever see a real professional climber's hands. Their fingers are uh, a gargoyle of fingers. Like their muscle sinews in their fingers are yeah, all right. bulged out and they look yeah. real weird. Yeah, right. That's just, just grip power. Finger. And you just hang on a f- one finger and just do pull ups and all yeah. that stuff. Yeah, it's like, fucking gnarly. It's epic. Awesome. We try to yeah. rip our fucking finger out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, what are you doing for training at the moment? Well, we've just come back from an expedition. So, um, we've had to be really steady on it um, and just really careful with our bodies. You can't just jump straight back into CrossFit. Mm. Um, it'd probably be the worst thing for us. Um, we actually just went up to Queensland to visit a really good friend called Ken Ware. Um, and he, well, Luke explains this a lot better than I do. Yeah, he sort of uh, specialises in neurophysics training. So, mm. it's more about letting your body adapt to the stimulus and sort of come back online itself instead of you know forcing it with hard training again we've been doing just empty bar stuff super slow movements letting your body adapt and just come back online very empty slow bar stuff that's yeah. my that's my heavy lifting yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what it's it's the best for you yeah um and because you're you're into that like you were you were when i first met you you're all power lifting competing bodybuilding bodybuilding yeah. sculpting and then i've over the years you've sort of Moved away. Yeah, moved away and become yeah. more, I don't mean to dismiss anyone here, but more intellectual about yeah. how you train. Yeah, big time. Yeah, I guess that's res- everybody on their fitness journey though, isn't it? Like I well, think about like 10 years ago that. when I started the stuff I was doing, you're like, what an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> and you, you feel Just keep like- strolling through his feed, you'll find it. <laughs> <laughs> and And us all being personal trainers I feel like calling my clients from what 10 years ago and going I'm so, so sorry, sorry. Yeah, right. what, yeah. I'm, what I was doing with you was just so far off the like when you yeah. got off the couch and I beasted you for an yeah. hour it's like mm. yeah so yeah it's true but it's that's true. sort of the industry like even um, clients well, you, well, you, you, think, you think you don't you, you feel like you haven't evolved and it isn't until you 
you can look back, look back. retrospectively and go, oh, fuck, I, like, I've never prescribed that now yeah. for, for myself or someone else. Yeah. Like, it's funny. But in this sort of bigger, stronger, faster world where people want to pay $100 and get a result today, if I took them through a neurophysics training program, they probably wouldn't come back the next day because it is very low stimulus, you yeah. know, and more of that um, nervous system adaption. Yeah. So it's a bit of a hard sell, even in today's world. Yeah, but going back to our training now, um, coming, coming off the desert and coming off um, like a two-month-long expedition, um, and we were training quite hard before we went away, and yeah. we, were, we were doing well, but... Um, yeah, now we've just taken a big ego hit and yeah, it's yeah. been the best for you as well because you, you get to work on weaknesses and you get to mm. go, okay, well, this was really bad last season. What? How can I fix it now that I'm at a low Now I'm weak as piss standpoint. again and yeah. just work on my movement patterns. Yeah. You know? well, <laughs> you, if you want to feel good about yourself, you should just train with me. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I reckon you put it over as big time. Yeah, yeah. I've probably got a very small window for that to ever happen. but. <laughs> Um, I want to talk about this latest expedition. I want to talk about a lot of the things that you've been doing over recent years, but let, let's talk about the more recent one. Yep. So you went across the Gobi Desert, is that right? That's it, the Gobi Desert in Mongolia. Mm. That's the one. Um, it was sort of come out of nowhere because we were planning a trip to... Um, this isn't in a car, is it? Oh, no. This was, <laughs> yeah, uh, no. Uh, it uh, probably would have been a lot more fun <laughs> in, a in a car. Yeah. It was 1,800 kilometres on foot, dragging a cart with all of our food and supplies, um, and it took us 57 days yeah, right. to get it done. Um, How heavy is the cart? Well, we, we had our goal, which was to try and do it as unsupported as, as possible. So we wanted to carry all of our food, our comms gear, our tents, just everything we needed to be self-sustained. Now, when we finally started, our, our carts were about 180 kilograms each. And so we had, another, we had a mate with us called Matt Bennett. Matt, yeah. He was from England, and we met him in Thailand. Um, and... For some reason, he decided he to come along to with us, us as on well. This <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so I'd, we... I'd imagine that probably three is not a crowd in this scenario because if it's just you guys who are partners, we should we should emphasize that. Yeah, first year marriage partners. <laughs> yeah, honeymoon period. It was good. We didn't even argue in the desert. It was great. Oh, Maybe we're good. just too tired. Yeah, yeah. it was like night. <laughs> 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 But yeah, the carts were 180 kilos, so and that was bloody heavy, and it was really, really hard. Um, we weren't getting the kilometres we needed to get out every day. Like when we started, we got our first day was eight k's, and the second day was 11, and the third day might have been 14. So we're slowly getting there, but we needed to hit 30s and 40s to try yeah, and get right. this thing done before the summer kicked in in a few months' time. Ah, okay. So um, you're trying to get there before it starts. The heat, yeah, well, be- kicks and in. And before and just, we got bored as well, we just going to be out there our whole lives. So, yeah. <laughs> so we wanted to try and you know knock it out fairly quickly. Um, but it was just that weight in the cart. Once we got to say heavy sandy sections or a little bit too much incline, we pretty much couldn't move them ourselves. We had to sort of three on one, get one cart through, drop back, get the other cart, oh, drop geez. back, get the other cart. So yeah. it just turned into a, a quite an ordeal. Um, and so I'm, sorry, uh, Luke, are these? sleds or wheels or what's the yeah so the cart design it's an aluminium cart to try and keep it nice and light we had two wheels on one side two on the other on one axle right so if you imagine right. wheelchair wheels that's what we used yeah tubeless uh, like, yeah tubeless so they wouldn't pop and those uh-huh. kind of things yeah yeah and so sandy rocky terrain rocks were fine loose. yeah the rims were solid that was all good it's just really the sand and the incline and the combination of yeah. um that really just just nailed us so we got to about 15 days in and we had a horrendous day that day it was just like steady uphill sandy all day we did manage about 20 k's that day yeah um, i was trying to be really staunch because i was with two guys mm. two strong 
like can get through this guys and they've both done expeditions before and I was just trying to man up the whole time and just be mm. like don't don't pussy out on this <laughs> and day 15 I just cried Aww. I was just like I was in France, so they couldn't tell what was happening. But I just, I was just like, this is just so ridiculously hard. Yeah, what am I doing? I'm 65 kilos. These boys are 90. Matt was 110. Jesus. And six foot four or something. Mm. And so, you're pulling the same. Yeah, yeah, we all had the same weight. Luke. So I was like, <laughs> <laughs> equal rights and opportunities on my expeditions, mate. <laughs> Feminism at its best. Yeah. Um, Jesus. But yeah, so I we'll was. We'll talk about this offline. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, so yeah, I was just getting absolutely crushed. Yeah. On day fifteen, we all had a bad day that day. Even Maddie, at the end of that day, said, "I'm out." Like he's going mm. home. He's tapping out. And so I, you know, let's all sit down. And I got the video camera out because we're trying to shoot, you know, a little mini, mini doco yeah. the whole way. So I got that out. It's all right. Let's talk, guys. How was it? And it, pretty much the verticals was fucked. It was a terrible day. Um, so what do we want to do about it? Like we're only 15 days in. We're looking at a 90-day expedition if we stay at this rate or longer. Um, if that happens, we'll run out of food and all that sort of stuff. So we just talked about it and said, look, what we've had up to up until this time, we've got a, a vehicle sort of in support but more doing reconnaissance for us. So he was a, a few days ahead scouting different wells and talking to locals about, you know, best directions and stuff like that. Um, because if we missed a well, we're in big trouble, you know. Yeah, right. So we had a guy out there sort of securing that for us. And the decision that we made at the end of that terrible day was let's cut the food in half and put half of it in the reconnaissance vehicle and we'll get resupplied in, in a month's time. Yeah, so right. It'll mean we're not doing it fully, you know, under our own steam, but I think after that day we'll... It was, it was a happy compromise. So, so that took about 40 kilos out of the carts each and, and we could chug along a lot better after that. We started hitting high 20s, 30s, low 30s and then... I think the last third of the trip, we're averaging 38, 39, 40k days because the food that's was getting lot. eaten and we we're getting a lot lighter, yeah. Yeah, that's a lot of... that's Yeah, big days. Yeah. Big days. Sun up so, to so, you, so you'd get to the checkpoint, you'd set up camp, I don't know what that looks like. That You got a swag or you're Actually, building yeah, a fire. Yeah, we had swags. We did. Yeah. We had like yeah, little motorcycle swags. Instead of just using a normal like thermarest or something, that over time it'd just be brutal on that ground. The swags were brutal on the ground after yeah. that length of time out there. But yeah, we had just tents and pulled up anywhere and just stopped. Yeah. Yeah. Build a fire and cook up or what you know was, what? what were all those pleasantries like? just went out the window. Well that well, I was that buggered at the end of days. Um, I was just like, right, food out, quick gas cooker, boil up water because we had dehydrated food for the whole time because <laughs> it was it was weightless pretty much. Well not weightless. Not weightless. Compared, to, <laughs> compared to carrying fresh stores, it was very, very good. I'll be there in a fucking broccoli. Chicken. And you think, and we'd come from yeah, eating because we're vegetarian as well. Well, partly ninety percent, and we'd come from it, like living in Thailand and just having the fresh, fresh food, food yeah, coconuts yeah. every day, and then it was like boom, you're eating out of a bag for two months. <laughs> yeah, that and would get pretty tiring pretty quick, I reckon. Yeah, some of them like because we ordered vegetarian meals, all of them. Some of them were just like they just try and spice it up and all of them were spicy oh, and you're like that's not oh really and, and a, a like night in the variation tent. of a Kathmandu curry after a while you're just like you no s- fucking chance like literally <laughs> but you need the- <laughs> eat the package <laughs> but that's the thing you need the calories yeah. like yeah. you need to eat um, and that was one of the really big lessons that we had out there of like what our bodies actually require mm-hmm. on expeditions you feel your body changing like you felt like we just needed like sugar at some stages. We felt like we needed fats at some stages. Um, but at the end of the day, I just hoof as many of those meals as I could pretty much fit yeah. in my stomach and just pass out yeah. and sleep for like 10 Regardless of taste and flavour, oh, yeah. just, just let's get it in here. So yeah. 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 
Yeah, but that was sort of the first two thirds were like that, where we're sort of in the middle and absolutely nowhere. But the last third, we started hitting a, a part of the desert where they run a lot of tourist trips. So there was little villages and little like, um, you know, yurts, camps, they call them yeah. girls, little girl camps. And then these little villages had little canteens, like shops, where they'd have oh. bread and butter. You always find Coca-Cola, some form of chocolate, and like some biscuits. And we would hammer it. We'd pull <laughs> we up just, our carts. The front and then they'd never days like it. These guys oh, like, my God. <gasps> and yeah. we'd go, oh, do you have bread? They're like, no, wait. Hold on, and like, like, not yeah, in English. Yeah, they'd be obviously. off on their bike to find bread somewhere. Yeah. Oh, like, Don't be long. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> time. Like, how many do you want? So we'll have ten loaves of bread. We'll have two yeah. tons of butter. Really? We'll have cans of coke, chocolate, everything we buy the lot, and sit at the front and just hammer it. Yeah, right. Just yeah. to try and get those calories in. You know, it was, it was getting pretty dire at that stage. Yeah, he was he was wasting away. Yeah, I sort of went for period. I lost so much weight that I felt real fragile. But by the time we hit the villages and I started pumping just tubs of butter and we found salamis at one stage and yeah, salmon right. all them, all that sort of stuff, yeah. um, I started to come back a bit. Yeah, so right. Obviously, vegetarianism. Uh, to that point, window. yeah. <laughs> that sounds <laughs> yeah. like it. Give me a goat. <laughs> yeah. uh, before you hit the canteens, like how much weight had you both lost? Maddie ended up dropping about 20. So he would have lost total. a bit more before that. So that's 20 in like 40 days or something? Yeah, it could have been, yeah, because yeah. yeah. we put on, a, well not put on, but we sort of stopped the free fall of weight by that last third. Um, I thought I was like weighed in, I thought I dropped 15 or 20 as well, but I only ended up losing, what did I end up losing, eight, eight point something, yeah, yeah, by the end. Yeah, right. So maybe it wasn't that bad, but you just felt very fragile at the time, you know? Because mm. you're just doing one thing, you become this specialist. Yeah, of And course. because our training usually is CrossFit or adventures or like climbing and such a variation of stuff, we were just walking. Yeah, in a hunched over, yeah, sort of dragging position. Yeah. So it just puts your body Great for the abs, though, eh? Terrible. <laughs> terrible. It's terrible for everything. It's terrible for everything. Like, I wouldn't recommend it to anyone. But um, you get to a point where you can drag that heavy car all day and yeah. feel pretty okay, but you couldn't do an air squat. Or you couldn't, couldn't do a push-up. Push up. Yeah. Like, you can't do anything. Mm. You can't do a sit-up. You're trying to get out of your veg. It's like... Oh, no. oh, 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 <laughs> yeah, right. You know, because it just adapts to that one domain. Yeah, and that's which, which is like an example of how... Fucking amazing the human body. body is big yeah. time, and how quick whatever it comes you're exposed you know? to, yeah. yeah, yeah, just adapt. So it adapted to that entire environment. So right, you want to do this? this? Is what you're going to do, and you're doing it. So it cut away. You know, everything got cut away. Your Glutes. quads, you had loose skin everywhere. Your arms were gone. Everything was gone. But now, what? Yeah, are you? you're not using your arms. You're not. Yeah, yeah. we're only what seven weeks out of the desert now, doing our yeah neurophysics stuff and slowly building up the weights again and not eating well. Your body's adapted. You know, you're feeling yeah. pretty damn good. Yeah, mm. yeah. Know? I was expecting to feel quite big myself when you walked in, but. <laughs> I'll get him, I'll interview him just after the Gobi Desert expedition. Six weeks too late. But um, but yeah, the body's coming back online, you know, a a lot better than I thought it would. But just, yeah, just the knees, the hips, still a little bit. Yeah, right. How are you going? Yeah. But no no huge injuries out there. We were like all pretty stoked. I got an ankle thing about three days in that tended to just, it just kind of disappeared after two weeks, which Uh was great. But none of us really copped it injury wise. So that that definitely helps on an expedition. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of testament to your, you know, training beforehand Mm. and how fit and healthy you kind of keep yourselves you know yeah that's uh, it and we had, to, we had to be careful with the water and stuff out there the water sources ranged from like a tiny little hole in the ground maybe a foot across that's used to you know give water to the camels by the local nomads to a flowing river to all sorts of everything in between um so we had to filter it and treat it and do all that stuff properly did you get ill did you no, get sick? We, we actually we were really good the whole way through it was mm. perfect 
Yeah, right. So you recommend these dry, dehydrated vegan packs? I don't know about the vegetarian anymore, but (laughs) (laughs) give me a chicken. Yeah, there's only so much rice you can eat. (laughs) So what, what was it like getting to the, you know, crossing the finish line? Was that elation and it was relief um it it was such a weird thing for me because i'm so used to um like sport and having a crowd and um cheering and that kind of thing and like people going hey you did it (laughs) high five we literally like we got no no fanfare i'm assuming (laughs) not in mongolia we got into this town and it was the most derelict town you have ever come across like we had to walk through the rubbish tip to get in there oh what a a homecoming (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) and then like because d- there's no finish line as such. Yeah. You just kind of go, okay, we're done. I think we're yeah, da- this done. Is, yeah. done. This looks good. Yeah. Yeah. Just like, okay, that wall of that yurt up there, that's going to be our finish line. And so we get all the way there. We're like, yay. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you look to the left and there's a dude pissing on his wall. And you're just like, uh, oh, well. No one that's cares. Sort of it. He doesn't give a shit. <laughs> but, but it's that, it's like, it's that beautiful thing of just doing something for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And not needing anyone else's congratulations or anything like that yes we were blogging and all that the whole way but you kind of just looked like i just looked at luke and thought wicked like wicked, yeah. we just yeah. did it yeah and that's it and you like, didn't argue I, I find that very hard to believe <laughs> nah true yeah oh, we we're pretty wow. good and there were some trying times in that tent because you get have... you'd get hangry pretty often throughout that you know throughout oh, yeah. the day yeah yeah but you know, it's good tri- because uh it's a desert you just sort of drop back and just let let, let them walk ahead and you just be by yourself in. for eight hours and yeah, after right. that you, you get over it you know yeah <laughs> the, the skies would have been pretty phenomenal at night hey Ah, uh, well <laughs> she stayed up to check him out i was out oh really <laughs> yeah he was like a big bear 10 hours just straight but yeah sensational yeah um and it was usually because it was so windy pretty much 55 of the 57 days we had the craziest wind you could ever imagine. Um, so by the end of the day, we're just like, just get me out of this wind. And mm. you get in your tent, and you're like, I don't want to go out. Um, what, head, headwind? Oh, massive, yeah. We were oh. lucky, the majority of the time was a tailwind. Yeah. On the days when it did turn around and smack us in the face, we couldn't go. We had to pretty much pull up camp. Yeah, I saw, just... actually, yeah, it reminds me, I saw a clip of you guys in the sandstorm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wow. so that right. hit us for and, three days And you that. can't go, you just got to, okay, right, that's it, camp up. Like, yeah. Yeah, right. Can't do anything. Yeah. Um, power of nature but yeah uh, one night I remember it was just so still and I was like I can't remember there ever not being banging on the tent so I went out to take a piss and just like (laughs) sat there just like in the nude for like half an hour just staring at the stars it was just the most sensational thing because I hadn't really been out in nature for that amount of time in that sort of like away from human capacity so yeah. yeah it just it that blew me yeah. away i'll never forget that night just sitting there <laughs> with no one else around <laughs> that's awesome yeah. i'll sleep in yeah <laughs> you tell me about it babe yeah yeah, yeah. there's a sunset yeah it's good okay cool <laughs> <laughs> you've seen one you've seen them all right well, oh, that's, that's what, what he kept saying well. so, yeah, i've seen some stars before that's all good <laughs> so before the the gobi expedition was there anything between that and the atlantic crossing because that's what i want to talk about next so we had the atlantic we actually had, I had a trip to the states where i took up that lovely sport of base jumping so that's uh oh, that's right. my new hobby that i that you're making me feel very fat and lazy really it's that. the most incredible <laughs> thing you can ever do but you i don't recommend it to anyone no one should do it it's that it's right. very dangerous but right. uh, it's it's really really cool so what were you base jumping off uh, so I started at a bridge so I had a good buddy of mine who's been into base jumping for a long time um, ex-army mate of mine 
And he took me there and we started on a bridge where you do your first jump and we stayed there and did about 30. Then we went to a place called Moab, which is just spectacular rock climbing mecca Adult in uh, adventure playground. Utah, yeah. And we started on cliffs, so we learned to jump cliffs, we jumped a tower, and then to finish off the trip we went to Vegas and got married in a hot air balloon and we jumped that as well. Yeah, right. That was sick. It was a good trip. Yes, we can. Yeah. Do you think the climbing sort of prepared you for heights and... Oh, well, it was Confidence perfect. Confidence around like, heights. Did this, this one, yeah. I did this one jump. I had uh, Castleton Tower. That was like a five-pitch climb as well. Oh, yeah. So we had to climb it, hauling up my base gear, climb it, haul up the base gear, get to the top. It's only about the size of this room, you know, four metres by four metres top. Um, you got to pick the edge and then jump it. And For all those out. people out there ah, thinking exactly. that they are just going to go and jump off stuff, we actually did skydiving courses. Oh, yeah. We did a to, lot yeah, of yeah. skydiving before yeah. the base jumping. And you've got to be really sure you want to take up a sport like this. And you have yeah. to be a certain type of person because there's no margin for error. So this isn't a sport that you can get away with being complacent or making silly mistakes. So if you fold your canopy wrong, it takes an hour for me to pack my canopy each time because I choose to take that long to do it properly. Um, but if you make one wrong, wrong fold or you pick the wrong conditions or you just get your body position wrong and exit, there's, there's yeah. no comebacks. There's not like yeah, skydiving right. where there's a backup shoot and there's plenty of air and time to fix problems. Like you got a half second, second to fix yourself up or you're gone, you know. So, so you have to be so, really... So how, how... The highest one you did, how long is your free fall before you pull the... Oh, two and a half seconds? Yeah, three, right. Four, three, three seconds, maybe? On a Wait, I'll be stretch. pulling it. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's like the, when you first start, it's like, go. <laughs> well, that's what it's like. When you first start, you've got what's called your pilot shoot in your hand, so that when you do jump, you just release your pilot shoot out of your hand, and it'll open the canopy. Right. Once you get um, you know, a bit more experience, you can pack your pilot shoot like you do with skydiving, so then you jump, you're reaching back, pulling out your pilot shoot. But it's just another step in the process that could go wrong. You know, you reach yeah, back, right. you can't get that bloody uh, thing. You've only got a couple of seconds before, yeah. before it's over. Impact. Mm. Fuck. So yeah, don't and recommend and it. Cause, and because obviously it's highly illegal, so we're not... Um, only in Australia, not it. prehistoric here. But. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it uh, the same? Nah, know? all through Europe, or most countries in Europe, uh, in the States, in two states, it's uh, legal. And that's, that's where you go to learn on these bridges and... And do all the fun stuff I, over I there. Thought, uh, is it in the national parks? You can't. I can't do national parks. Yeah, yeah. Yosemite and all that's shut now. Yeah. I had mates that went and jumped Yosemite, got caught, and they take all your gear and fine you and yeah, right. all that stuff. So, but there's plenty of cliffs that are legal to jump off that are sensational. So now, so. in place we we're talking about before, Tonsai. The reason I got into base jumping after around the Atlantic because we we're back climbing in Tonsai, and I saw some guys exit off the top of this place where we used to climb and it's a 120 meter cliff big overhang i thought fuck that is nice you know? <laughs> this is us just sitting there having a coconut he's like babe i want to do that and, and then so i'm like well what do i have to do to do this so i called me mate and he's like right you're gonna go get your skydiving course you know which is big money it's like four and a half grand each then I want you to get up as many jumps as you can. Then you're going to come with me for a couple of months and he's going to mentor me through the sport. You know, otherwise it's just, it's Russian roulette, mm. you know. So I was lucky to have my mate Jimmy there um, and, you know, at least wanted to do skydiving as well. So it was perfect. We just rolled through the courses, got a heap of jumps up, went to the States and done the proper training with my mate on the bridges first, get all your drills and all the safety aspects done. So then it was like maybe a year to the day. I went back to Tonsai, climbed up that cliff, and yeah, it was right. off, landed on the beach. It was Legend. Yeah. That's amazing. It's good, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait to get back there. <laughs> but that's how we kind of play it as well. We see something and go, okay, what are the steps we need to do yeah. to get to that? 
and then that usually will be a year and then it's like okay what's the next thing and then you just accumulate all these like skill Skills, sets yeah. and then you can combine them all together yeah. to do a big climb up something jump off it kayak your ass out of there or something yeah. you know yeah. just to make that adventure well, i mean but that's the other thing that i take from your you know watching you online is that you and i and i'm jealous of this position but you you grab life with both hands like you you, lo- you seem to love life love each other first and foremost but love life and the excitement that yeah you, know, yeah. you can see you can find you life's know? just a big game and you shouldn't look at anything and go oh i can never do that and say so, well fuck that's really really hard and specifically technical but what do i gotta do to get there yeah right. and it might take Break you a year down. or two years but then eventually you're the guy shooting that video that you watched two years before you know yeah. and that's a wicked wicked feeling yeah, yeah awesome you know but um, yeah, that was after the Atlantic. So we had the yeah. Atlantic, <laughs> then base jumping, and then the desert, and then. So yeah, describe the Atlantic to to our listeners, like what, right. what, did, so, what did you undertake? So I was just in Thailand training, um, very fit, very strong, probably in my peak condition at the time. And I met our mate Maddie that we took on the Gobi Desert Crossing, and he was actually due to go and row across the Atlantic with a group of special forces guys um, from Portugal to Venezuela. So he was going to do that. And so he was training with us, got him nice and fit, and he was due to leave. And I said, mate, look, if anything happens to any of your boys, pray it doesn't, but if one of them gets injured, I'm there to fill the spot, ready to go, you know, because I was that excited about what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And he goes, yeah, yeah, no worries, no worries. And off he went. When he got to Portugal, he met another crew that had just lost a team member through appendicitis. And he called me up and said, mate, look, these guys are looking for someone. They're going to cancel their trip. They're doing a similar row from Portugal, but they're going to go try and go to Brazil. Do you want in? I was like, fuck yeah, let's let's get the call going. So the team called me. I said yes straight away. Then I asked Elise if it was okay. She said yes. <laughs> it's 4 a.m. I love that. You said yes. And then I asked Elise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hope that she would approve. Yeah. And, and then the following day, I told my boss I'm quitting. And then two weeks later, we set off from Portugal. So two, two weeks later. Two weeks, yeah. So flew straight to London, met the be team. Safe, safe to say, fuck all training. <laughs> that, that day, I said, geez, I'm going to go and sit on a, a rower for longer than 400 metres here just to see what it's like. So <laughs> yeah. I sat there and just plugged along and did like an hour and a half or something. I was like, that's pretty good. And that'll do me. Because it's pretty boring. <laughs> um, but we we're going to hold a rowing like um, timetable of two hours rowing, yeah. two hours of rest, yeah. 24 hours a day. And that's what we held for the 55 days it took us to cross from um, Portugal, from Lagos that's to Portugal to Recife in Brazil. Yeah. He's kind of a learn on the job kind of person. Yeah, I think he's done that with any like any job, construction or whatever. <laughs> I think he comes from like just, just say yes and then work out and how then, to well, do it That's later. how I had to look, run the half my life because I got out of the military with killing skills and fuck all else. So then you're trying to get these jobs while I was traveling through London and Europe or even in Australia. It's like, can you do this? Like, oh, not really. So you don't get the job. So mm. I all, can you do this? Go, yeah. Can do it all, no problem. Yeah, and just to let me learn, yeah, yeah, I had to yeah, learn yeah. real quick. You know, you get well, well, a couple a, of times when you learn. There's a great quote by Branson. I'll probably butcher it, but it goes along the lines of, you know, if you get a great opportunity, just and you don't know how to do it, just say yes and work it out. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And that's and how I run everything. Yeah. So anyone, I get approached for expeditions all the time with different ideas that people are tossing around. So yep, do it, plan it. If it comes off, I'll be there. Yeah. And you know, if you say that ten times, one of them's going to come off, and it's yeah. going to be epic. Yeah. yeah. So Portugal to Brazil. Yep. 55 days, um, we tried to, well, we did pioneer a new route that went down past the equator into Brazil. So most of the Atlantic crossings that have been done up to that time follow the trade routes down um, sort of the coast of West Africa there and then scoot back up sort of northwest to you know, Venezuela or you know, those northern 
countries, we wanted to cut straight across. So we sort of had really rough, brutal seas. Then once we got to the equator, it's it's like a lake, like Ugh. oil slick out there. But then it was brutal hot, and we had rainstorms. So it's just like different conditions the whole way across. And once we got through the equator and started getting closer to the coast, then we had more of that sort of tropical weather and and four yeah. English people on board, so they yeah, just got have, fried. Yeah, having to slip <laughs> slap swap. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it was two two girls and um, myself and another guy named Jake. So it was four of us in the crew. And, uh, yeah, we did great. So pe- two people running at any one time. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So always two on. Um, and, and if you're very disciplined as well, you know, once you're on, you're on for two hours. And you put in the work and then you rest for two hours and go again. So you row, the tempo or the cadence is the weakest link, if that makes sense? It's, like- it's a steady pace you can both hold for that period of time. Mm. You know, so that by the time I get on, um, and if Mel's been on for an hour, she's going to be at a certain pace because she's already rode for an hour and she's going to hold it for another hour, okay. so I'm going to hold that pace. But then whoever comes on after Mel, so Susanna's coming on. So it's um, not two new people every two hours? No, we try yeah, to keep okay. it chop and change just to keep um, like the safety aspect fresh because when you come on fresh, straight out of your you know, cosy little cabin in the back, well... Not all cosy, but there's a cabin in the van. Yeah. And you get on there, you're very aware. But after an hour, you're not so aware, you're very tired, and you know, mistakes can happen. So, with those fresh eyes and, and brains coming on every hour, it's much better for safety. Like you must have seen some things out there. Like, it doesn't excite me. This is the one trip that, oh, that is, hasn't excited it's me. It's probably the one trip. Oh, there's been a couple of hectic ones, but this is probably the first big one where I thought, yeah, this, this is the one I'm going really? in, you know. Um, there was a point there where we had such a, such a bad storm, like huge breakers just. Oh poleaxing the boat and Jake and I had to get both pinned into our little cabin and it's only big enough for like a small person let alone two big guys and you lock the little hatch and that keeps the boat buoyant if you do well you do get sort of somersaulted and the boat gets sunk a little bit and it pops back up and rights itself but if those cabin doors are open you sort of sink so you got to keep them shut but that means there's no air in there so it gets super hot yeah. super sweaty claustrophobic and just the noise of these waves when they break on this little bit of hollow fiberglass these boats are it's just scary as hell. <laughs> and then once we got back around but, again, but then what's, what's happening to the people that are outside running? No, well, that, they've got their own little cabin as well, but theirs is even a bit smaller than ours. So the girls are in the front. So they're like, rowing encased in the... No, nah, when it gets that bad, no one rows. Oh, we strap those oars down and we just got to ride it out as best you oh, can. Jesus. So you just get pumped. And that storm lasted, I think it was like 10 hours, so you're in there. But then when we started again, the waves are still breaking and still pretty big. And we're getting sort of swamped and we're snapping oars and everything was going wrong. The boat's turning side onto the swell. And there's a point where it's like, right, this is the one I'm going in. We're going to get nailed today. So I put on my life vest, my little um, like personal locator beacon if yeah. you do get lost at sea. Then there was a tub of Nutella there. I thought, oh, fuck this. Just grab the whole tub of Nutella, <laughs> smash the whole thing. Yeah, I'm going to go on this way. I'm going to go on this way. I'm going in content and just threw the down and out I went. But we're okay. Then had no Nutella for the rest of the trip. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyone Daniel seen the Nutella? <laughs> 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 yeah. but, so, um, so did you? You obviously fear for your life at that point. Oh, big time! Yeah, yeah. yeah. So and the thing's rolling. Yep. You know, it's getting tumbled. Yeah. So you're, you're spinning in this thing. But yeah. You're, you're strapped in. Yeah, well, yeah. You're jammed in. So after, I'd imagine. I mean, I know I would fear for my life, but I guess after three, four, five, six, seven hours, you're like. Oh, you just fall asleep. Oh. You just pass oh, out really? no matter how low, like loud it was or how hot and just covered in like soaked in sweat. You just end up sleeping because you're so tired. Mm. You know, and you wake up to a, like a very violent burst, but then mm. you're just like, oh, well, back to sleep again. You yeah, just, right. You're at the bottom of the ocean. You adapt to it. <laughs> 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 it's gone quiet. Yeah. yeah. Is that a good thing? But we had, we had, you know, 
compared to other trips that people have had across the Atlantic, we had a fairly decent. We had two really big storms. Um, the rest of the time, we had just good old discomfort. Yeah, know. right. And yeah. similar food to the Gobi crossing. Dehydrated meals again, but we ended up having, geez, almost half a ton of food for that trip. Mm. Um, but yeah, just dehydrated meals and just any snacks we took on board, lots of chocolates and nuts and all that high calorie yeah. stuff. But I still dropped 15 little bit kilos on that trip yeah. as well. Yeah, you dropped so, more on that one than yeah. that. Yeah. And that one, that one, like, I was like damaged. I need to like, train with so it now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was that was an epic trip, but just the condition of your body at the end because you're in salt water all the time. Ah, yeah. You get um, sea sores, yeah. so it starts as little pimples on your backside or yeah. whatever. And they turn into boils, and then they'll go sort of everywhere. There's any sort of pressure because you're sitting in a seat for yeah. you know twelve hours a day, yeah. two hours on, two hours off. Um, so yeah, you end up in a pretty Bad grubby way. sort of yeah. shitty mess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a took- huge shock for me seeing him because we hadn't seen from this. Day one till the day they got off, we hadn't seen any photos of yeah, them of or anything like that. Um, and he, like he said, he left in his probably peak condition he'd ever been in in his yeah. life. And then he jumped off this boat and walked onto the shore in Brazil. And yeah. I was like, "What have you done with Luke?" <gasps> and I was like, "Holy shit!" Like he looked like he was about to die. Um, just so skinny and red eyes and hey, babe. I'm like. <laughs> Love me. <laughs> Don't call me babe. Yeah. <laughs> but like everything wasted away. We're talking about yeah. the body adapting again. Um, I had a decent old set of hammies, but yeah. then everything else was gone. The, your whole bum had disappeared. It's just yeah. this flap of skin. Oh. You know, your arms, everything's got, it just wasted Flappy, away. boily piece of skin. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Really good. <laughs> yeah. And because we'd been in the boat for so long, you had adapted to that rocking of the boat. Mm. So when I first jumped out, I just fell over. Yeah, and right. my dad had to pick me up <laughs> the water. But that... That disorientation and that stumbling lasted almost two weeks. Yeah. Really? You know, because yeah, you, right. you just adapted to standing stable in the middle of the Atlantic on a boat that's getting bucked around, but you thought it was flat. Yeah. yeah that's how it felt. What was your first meal? Oh, it was oh, terrible. It was devastating. Oh, like, no. Brazil in general, you will not find salad. Like, it's, it's a meat culture. Yeah. But everything was shut by the time we sort of got there. Yeah, it was late. <laughs> and we ended up eating some... It was like a halloumi burger. halloumi burger or something. <laughs> but then we sat at the buffet for four hours the next morning. The next day yeah, it started, yeah. Sure. yeah. The hotel buffet just sat at the They whole weren't time. making money on you, that's for sure. <laughs> no. no chance. <laughs> <laughs> rolling their eyes. Oh, jeez. It's like fruit, toast, this. Yeah. Fruit, toast, yeah. this. Back coffee. up again. Yeah. <laughs> and your body just absorbed the lot, you know. And you put your body through a lot, don't you? Yeah. But I it can I, handle it. It can. You, if it can. you coach it right and if you give it what it needs, the body will adapt. And in, include, you, you including can, lots of rest and recovery, I'm assuming. Big time. Yeah. And yeah. we're getting smarter at that as we get more and more experience. But you can destroy your body not doing anything at all just by mm. sitting on the couch yeah, watching fucking true. Kardashians. Or you can destroy your body doing really epic stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, So I think I'd rather hang out in this end yeah. for a while. But the other thing, the other expedition I want to touch on is, again, something that I was happy to look at from afar, from the comfort of my, my warm bedroom, but you went across the Antarctic. Well, yeah, that trip was a mountaineering trip to a mountain called Vincent Massive. Right. So we wanted to climb, because um, I was on a sort of little mini quest to climb the biggest mountain on each continent, and I'd done five, and this was number six, so I flew down to Antarctica, and then... You're uh, fucking mental. Yeah, so <laughs> that epic. And that, those, those trips are just, they're so spectacular, you know, because you're in a part of the world that such a small percentage of people get to see to begin with, mm. but this... There's a reason for that, though. Oh, of course. It's freezing. But with Antarctica, it is, the I reckon, one of the only places on Earth where it is still untouched by humans. Mm. The air is just amazing. The snow is just white. It is 
absolutely pristine and brutal. Like it's minus 50 and 50 something when we're summiting the mountain. But when you're dragging sled through this sort of environment, even if you're hurting, you look around, it's like, oh, yeah. this is amazing, you know? Yeah, right. So that was a pretty epic trip. That was a good one. Very, very costly. And that's what we were looking at before. Costly as in financially. Oh, big time, yeah. yeah. Like expeditions, if you're either going to buy a house and do the whole mortgage thing or you're going to have expeditions, there's it's a similar cost associated to it, you know. Um, And we were looking at doing a full crossing of the Antarctic continent um, from one side to the other, but when we finally done all the numbers, it's going to come to about two hundred grand each. Jesus. Um, so that's what it's all. Like, so Antarctic is a desert, you know. It, it is classed as a desert, um, technically. So I want to do another one. So what about the Gobi, and that's where we just switched and went straight to the Gobi yeah, six right. months later. But I'll get back there one day. I need some bigger sponsors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so have you always been? Have you guys always been like this, or did the the experience in the military kind of feed something for you? Or have you always, like, seen For me, I grew up with parents that were were gypsies. They were travellers, you know. So I went to about 14 different primary schools in my whole upbringing. We did a few laps of Australia when we were little kids, you know. So that got me into that traveller mindset. Then with the military, you know, going overseas and and working with the army. Um, Once I got out and tried a normal life, it just never really felt (laughs) comfortable, you know. So I did try at different stages, you know. We opened businesses and stayed there for a couple of years. And then it's just always the same thing. Let's just get going yeah right you know i never really i I envy you guys like you really do like (laughs) both hands like wrap you know embrace life and you know there's there's a side of me that loves stability you know and i've got a son so i can't just up sticks and do whatever i want to do whenever Mm. but there's also a side of me that um you know i do like an adventure like most people do and i do like to see other parts of the the world um so i'm kind of doing that vicariously through your Instagram <laughs> yeah. feed. It's but amazing. That's I, of, I, I really... I, yeah, yeah, that's kind of what he actually taught me. I, w- I wasn't really... I think I was always like this deep down. Um, but uh, after Luke came along, it kind of gave me the confidence to go, actually, no, that's, that's not the life that I want. I yeah. really want to do this. And mm. he was the first person to be like stability like who needs stability when you can go mm. and see the world and i was like ah, oh, because that that cool. term like stability you know <clears throat> substituted for security people feel secure in in having a job in having a mortgage and having debt even though i think they're negative things that's security yeah to mm. people mm. but security is actually only in yourself if you're secure in yourself it doesn't matter where you are like we live in a shitty little bungalow in thailand with climbing gear and not much else, but you feel very secure. The mm. world could fall over tomorrow and you're good to go. You mm. know? That's just, that's an internal thing. You, you'd think. bring that on, in fact. <laughs> yeah, it's like, <laughs> He's a doomsday prepper. Closet little prepper. But I, I mean, that's the thing with your son and stuff as well. It's like, well, why not take him with me? Like, mm. why not show him? And, and that's some good packs for kids. You know, you strap them to your back. They're good to go. <laughs> no, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and, for and, base jumping. And that's, and, <laughs> yeah. They're the kind of people you meet when you actually, like, step out of it as well. There's mm. there's couples travelling yeah. with their kids and making it look yeah. so much easier than everyone. And they're not the hippie out. in the hills sort of people you think yeah. they would be. Yeah, know, these is, are, yeah. like, corporate people that are going, fuck yeah. this. They've got a like, head on their shoulder. Yeah. They know what they're doing. They're just chosen. Yeah. Even a good mate of mine, a huge corporate guy in Dubai, messaged me the other day, he goes, mate, that's it, I'm out. I'm planning this round-the-world two-year sailing trip with the family. want you and Elise to come along for different sections. You know, we have some adventures. i got beautiful, mate. About time. <laughs> yeah, you've been sitting on a million a year for 10 years. Yeah. But he's finally doing it. And that's a huge thing for him to step away from that security yeah. and go, let's just throw it all in and go yeah. have a good adventure for us and the and, kids. And routine, like getting pulling away from something you've yeah. experienced day in, day out. Mm. You know, mm. get up, shower, 
go to work, yeah. come home, feed the family. Like yeah, people put a lot too much more value or too much value on what they do no. isn't you. Like that's just something you do to earn the stuff called money. Yeah. And now you've got to do something with that money, you know, go and do what you actually want to do with it. The yeah. problem is people don't have a lot of time to think about that stuff. Yeah. When you're working yeah, you seventy hours a week. Caught up in the day to day. Yeah. And, yeah. And like, it, I, I keep putting off you know, I had this like romantic image of getting my motorbike license and at one one point in time. Yeah. And then yeah. once I retire I want to go around Australia. Yeah. And I'm like you know, I had that for now? years. Yeah. I had that for years. Yeah. And then, like, a couple of years ago, I was like, why the fuck am I waiting till I retire? Yeah. Mate, I'll like, plan my... that one for you. We'll plan that back. <laughs> yeah. <Nice. laughs> plan that one in your sleep. Yeah. We've got it right. Yeah, then we have the RTA tomorrow. But I want to go from, you know, each checkpoint is a five-star hotel, just so you know. Gumtree's good enough. We'll be in the So, yeah, now I've got my bike license and... That's good. You know, it's not when I retire anymore. It's like... And I've got the, the means and the, yeah. the time. Yeah, and that's I'll, I'll probably get a you know a couple of emails a week or messages a week through social media of young guys and girls wanting to go on, yeah, you know, these monumental that. trips. I say, oh, how do we even get to that? And I was like, well, don't even think about that. Like, I've been doing this for a long time. Think about something small. So I always tell them, if they have no experience at all, go to somewhere like an Everest Base Camp trek, or you know, uh, some uh, some sort of an organised something. Trip. Yeah, where yeah. you're looked after by guides, professional people, and you and you you know you wet your head. You get in mm. amongst the adventure scene, then you'll learn. You know, and then you pick something you really want to do, and you book it. Don't mm. wait so oh, mm. retirement. Just mm. book that now, even if it's mm. four years time. Book some mm. and start paying towards it and putting it together step by step. Otherwise, you never do it. Mm. Yeah, and that's you're trying. Your attitude and your mentality. Like you need to impart that to the masses, you know? You need to, like, tap into... Like, because what you have is... You know, other people have it. It's not mm. It's not unique to you, but it's it's fairly unique to the broad demographic mm. of Australia, right? Yeah. So, you know, we're talking about corporates that work Monday to Friday, kick back on the weekend, maybe go to the pub, blah, blah. And they, they do that for 30, 40, 50 years. Mm. Mm. So your mentality and your attitude, I think... You know, it's inspiring for me. It'd be so inspiring for so many other people. Like, is there? A, have you ever considered like a business opportunity in that regard to kind of just just by sharing your passion and your mentality around grabbing life with both hands? Like, mm. look, I'm, I'm getting better at that stuff. I think I'm a bit of a bit of an old school before social media sort of kicked in. So I only sort of got onto Instagram recently, and well, not recently, but a number of years. Still don't know how to use the bloody thing. But t- telling stories is something I can do quite well. Yeah. So I do a couple of corporate gigs here and there. But because money isn't really our focus, we'd rather just hustle and go on experiences. Mm. I won't stay in one place long enough to build up a massive portfolio to get high-paying speaking gigs. Mm. Um, but I have written a book, so that took me <laughs> yeah. a long time. Yeah, well, time. I was going to say, you yeah. should write a book. <laughs> yeah. You've already done it. So he pulled his finger out on that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. So I've been keeping journals since I was 17. So when I first joined the army at 17, um, a wise old sergeant said to me, you know, start a journal. So for day one, start it. It'll help you get through all the bullshit you got to deal with. And he was, he was spot on. And I've kept that going through my whole life. So all my expeditions, I'd kept journal notes on. So when I went back to write my book, it was very, very handy. You know, so um, that's what the publisher at the moment. That'll be out in March next year. Oh, amazing! Yeah, yeah, it should be a good laugh. What's it called? It's still undecided. Oh, yeah. It's around a few different titles. The editor's got a couple of ideas. We've a couple of ideas, but oh, yeah, that's awesome! Sure Congratulations! Thanks, mate. Yeah, it's 
very good. So maybe that will fund some other trips then. Well, that's what That's the plan. <laughs> are are there any on the horizon? I'm sure there are. Yeah, so yeah. what have we got in October? October, we're going to head over to the Himalaya. I'm going to climb a mountain called Armadablam over there. Um, and that was kind of the inspiration for Luke's Olock Adventures, which is One Life, One Chance Adventures. Um, it's just probably the most sensational looking mountain mm. you've ever seen. Just stunning. It's about nearly 7,000 meters high. Right. Um, so Luke's climbed a lot of mountains before. Will this be your highest? It won't be the highest, but it'll be the most technical. It's, it's, a, yeah. it's a good spicy one, yeah. So I'm about, <laughs> <Spicy>. to, <laughs> I'm about to head down to um, Perisher and get some ice climbing stuff up my sleeve before we head over there and I just get bombarded. No, there's cable cars, right? Yeah. <laughs> Not in the Himalaya. <laughs> God, I hope they haven't put cable cars in the Himalaya yet. yet. Probably up Everest. Um, but, yeah, so that'll be in October. We're going to drag some of our good mates over there as well and just try and start getting people involved in our adventures because mm. we always put it out there. We're always like, yeah, come if you want. They're like, oh, I want to come on your adventure. It's like, it's like sweet, come, it. let's go. Cool. This, we're going at this time, this date. So we always kind of know who well, yeah, actually book, yeah, actually right. goes, okay, we're actually well, we going to come. we got two this time, maybe three. Yeah. yeah. Well, keep, keep me in the loop because I'd love to do, <laughs> like, I'm not putting my hand up for the cold ones. Yeah, yeah. I'm not very good in the cold. Um, but some of the warmer, the tropical ones, um, no water either. Well, so land-based, warm. <laughs> I've got two. <laughs> I've got one ready to go in January with a bunch of mates, army buddies again. Same guy, Jimmy. We're heading to hmm, Tasmania to do a base jumping trip. Don't we in summer? Um, Don't we nah, in summer? I said land-based, mate. Off, uh, <laughs> off a big Frenchman's cap, so that should be good fun. But the next big, big one, which we've already started uh, pre-planning for, is a source to the sea of the Amazon River. Oh. Um, so I want to sort of climb to the peaks in either Peru or Ecuador, riverboard down the rapids, and then sea kayak all the way to the mouth. So that'll be a big mm. one as a start of 2019. You'll notice okay. I'm not involved in that. He says I. She's invited. I've been invited, <laughs> but he's searching for a teammate. <laughs> and I'm I'm bailing out on that one. So yeah, if, you, right. if you speak Spanish and Portuguese, please get in touch. My next adventure, <laughs> while he's doing that one, I want to um, sail from... Uh, Australia to Europe, ideally. Yeah, they're okay. good skills. Good skills. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I'm not putting my hand up for that one. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of like ocean, uh, like open. You live at the beach. I know. I, yeah, but I'm standing on the sand. Um, yeah, beyond waist deep, I kind of. That's uh, not, not my domain. That's right. You're on a, you're on a boat. <laughs> I want to see at least the horizon, unless I'm on a big fuck off tanker. Well, guys, thank you so, so much for coming in. It's great Pleasure. to hear your thank adventures you. uh, past and the ones that you're planning now. All the best for it and uh, take care of yourselves. Cheers. Thank you very thank much. You. Thanks for having us.